everybody. Welcome to another Nacho Tuesday. Uh, today I have Coco, uh, the CEO of Nimbler, and he's here to explain to us a little bit more about what his platform does, but more importantly for all of you, uh, this is the sales guy that you need to learn from. This guy knows how to, he's been doing sales for many years, um, well over a decade. Um, this guy understands how to close the biggest deals that you could possibly get for your clients, which is very important as a startup. Uh, so we're about to learn a lot from him, him here today, and we uh, thank him for his time. Um, to get started, I guess, Coco, would you like to uh, give us an overview of what Nimbler does? Yeah, Andy, uh, thanks for the opportunity. First of all, thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, in a nutshell, uh, what we do at Nimbler is uh, we help salespeople and marketers get access to high-quality lead and contact data for their outbound campaigns without breaking the bank. So we've come up with a platform that makes it really easy for them to access high quality B2B contact data um, and use it for their outbound campaigns. Everybody needs that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, as I say, it's all about who you know, right? And if not, yeah. just get their contact information and, uh, and pitch them. True. Cool. So, um, yeah, sales are the lifeline of any startup. You know, of course, everybody is always asking me, anybody they really talk to, how do I get more sales for my startup? It's like this, the number one. It's the number one thing for any company that's looking to grow. Um, and this can be especially meaningful for any startup in the early stages. Getting those first few sales are very important. So what strategies would you recommend for startups that are looking to get their first couple of sales to get, to get moving? I mean, to be honest, there's just a lot of things you can do. And, and, and you just need to get, get out there and, and start selling, start having conversations. Uh, with your prospects. So that, that's the main thing, really, just doing the work, getting out there, talking to people, seeing what works and what doesn't. And a lot of a lot of startups are really afraid, in my opinion, to, to actually get out there and sell. They have all the excuses, you know, we don't have marketing, we don't have product, we're not ready. Uh, I think you just need to get out there and sell, yeah. uh, get in front of your ideal customers, obviously, you need to have a strategy. You need to know who your ideal customers are. So the, the first thing that I always tell people is before you even start selling, right? That identify who your ideal customers are, who you're building your product or who, what, what problem and for who is your product solving that problem. So that, that's really the main thing. Identify your ideal customers and then start getting out there, start reaching out to them. Um, you don't need anything fancy at first. As a startup, you can just pick up the phone and call somebody, right? You can you can ping them on LinkedIn. You can send them a cold email. Of course, uh, having some some processes and systems in place uh, helps tremendously, and it's very important to scale and get get more customers. But but I would just recommend that as a startup, as a founder, just get out there and sell your own product, drink your drink your medicine, and and talk to customers, see what they need. That's a great point. Yeah, and just you know, getting out there in person. I know we're past COVID now, but um, you know, I was just at a real you know live person of in person event last week, and I got to tell you, it was great uh, being able to work face to face with people. I think it's just it's a lot better for sales when you're actually talking to people, doing your elevator pitch. And so when you get out there to these networking events, you know, it's a great opportunity to to even work on that pitch in the first place because um, you're there getting live feedback from people. Um, figuring out if you, you know, if you have fully thought about everything for your business and you have the right alignment with your ideal customer profile, um, but you'll learn that pretty quick if people start to poke holes in your pitch. Um, a lot of other entrepreneurs too, I find too, want to stick too much to their original idea and they're afraid to, to pivot, um, even to the slightest degree, depending on the feedback they're getting. 
uh, many times, you know, you might also find uh, that the customer that you had in mind might not be the exact customer for, for the product that you're building. And you have to be, you know, open to kind of changing your mind around that and maybe even shifting who you focus your, focus your marketing efforts on. Uh, what, do, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of startups are really focused on their idea or initial idea, you know, and they're afraid of pivoting and making changes. I think it's, I think it's crucial. Now it's being a startup, it, you have the opportunity to be flexible, to be nimble and, yeah. and you just have to follow the, follow the money, you know, follow the, follow the opportunities, listen to your customers. They're in the end of the day, you're building something for them, not for yourself. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, what you're building to yourself, it matters for your customers. So listen to them and be flexible and nimble. That's, that's the best thing about having a startup, you know, because you can make those decisions. You can make those changes. You can pivot. You can provide some actual value. Yeah, that's that's entirely right. Yeah, almost made a joke about Nimbler. <laughs> you mentioned the word nimble. Um, mm-hmm. Is that where you guys got your startup name, or how did that come about? That's uh, that's exactly the how we came up with the name. You know, we we've been involved with uh, startups um, for quite some time, uh, other companies, and we've seen that people really had. Um, challenges you know making decisions and moving quickly and doing what's best for their customers and we wanted to be the total opposite of that we just wanted to be fast aggressive make decisions quickly if it doesn't work who cares you know we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll fix it we'll change it. it it happens spending more time to make a decision doesn't mean that it will be the right decision so we believe in just being fast and aggressive and being able to move quickly that's a great, uh, great culture there. And it's, you know, even so much that you guys built it in your name. I love that. Um, so I guess in, in your opinion, what's important for small business owners to keep in mind during uncertain economic times? I know a lot of people are talking about that now, like it's the boogeyman or something. Yeah, really. I mean, one of the things that we're focused on that might be a value is, you know, we, we're focused on our on our cash flow and, and, you know, spending money and the type of commitments that we make. So we will look at let's say we're, we're trying to to hire people we're talking to recruiters right we'll we'll look at different options and we'll pick the, the the most affordable for us right so we'll try to to make sure that that we can we can stay stay nimble again using that word but we don't want to get locked into long-term contracts uh we don't want to to over promise uh, and over commit so just, just look at more options. Uh, be, be a little bit more budget conscious uh, in 2023 because there's a lot of uncertainty what might happen in the in the economy. So th- that would be my my main advice, you know. Definitely, and uh, you know, certainly keep moving forward as well too, right? I mean, figure yeah. out performing channels, but um, yeah. a lot of a lot of companies alternatively pull back when they you know there's an opportunity to potentially acquire customers when you're when your competitors might not be as as aggressive as well well and and this is a great time i think for 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 new companies and and even existing companies you know to to acquire new customers i think it's it's time to be more aggressive and more flexible uh, and and i think that will earn you that will earn you some business yeah that's a great point um, so what would you say, that sounds like an underrated sales tactic to me, which is going to be my next question, but um, I guess what else would you say would be an underrated sales tactic? And then alternatively to that, what would be a good, what would be a common overrated sales tactic that you've seen? Um, you know, 
underrated sales tactic to me. Um, and we can put it, we can put it both ways. Is, is you know, not not giving the customer a demo of your SaaS product during the discovery call. You know, a lot of companies they have this super complex sales processes in place where it's like, okay, you have to file a form, then it has to go to our software and, and CRM, and then we'll round up in the lead and qualify, then we'll schedule a call. Then then you as a customer, you show up on that call. And, and you're just being interrogated and being asked all these questions that have nothing to do with you. You know, they're, they're not helping you really. They're just kind of wasting your time. Yeah. Um, if there is a need, if you feel the product is right for you, you want to see it, you, make, you want to make a decision. I don't think there's a, there's a reason why um, the vendor should be, should be withholding that from you and the opportunity to give you a demo or even, even make it as easy as here's the demo, two minutes, uh, here's the link, put in your credit card and start using our product and start deriving value for your organization. So I, I think that's really uh, underrated, putting it that way. Um, I, think, I think we live in an era where people want uh, more transparent buying experience, no matter what you're buying. You can buy cars online, you can buy houses online, you can buy anything online. So if I want to buy a, a software product, if I want to buy data, if I want to buy whatever I want to buy, just make it as easy as possible for me to, to, to complete that purchase and become a paying customer. Yeah, certainly. And then, you know, build, you build a lot of trust with them too, when you don't make them jump through a bunch of hoops and you have a, a more transparent and, you know, uh, human-based approach, I guess, if you will. So instead of, you know, making them go through all these hoops and, and interrogate them and <laughs> just, you know, give them a demonstration, really, you know, dive into what their problem is and see if there is a fit there, right? I mean, you're there, you know, sales is very consultative uh, more than anything, right? Uh, the best sales people are helping, you know, people pull out their problem and identify what that is. And if there's a fit for the solution, then, you know, you can make a match there. But if, you know, it doesn't work to hard sell it and alternatively, it doesn't work to, uh, you know, push people away because you, because your boss put all these different uh, rules in place about who you can qualify as a lead and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, this is when me as a salesperson, if I work for an organization like that, I move away. When when things get too complex and and you have too many steps to complete before you can make a deal, even even though your customer is ready to make a deal and you know sign on the dotted line, and and because of internal process you can make that happen right away, then then that's a red flag for me. I think I think organizations should should focus more on their customers and and making the buying experience better, just like. Just like you have, a, I've, I've always said that, you know, make the B2B buying experience like a B2C buying experience. Like I can go to the grocery store, I can go and I can get, you know, sign up for my internet, my TV and everybody, you know, is happy. So I think we, sh we should simplify things a little bit on the B2B side. Yeah, I definitely got to agree with that. You know, I've been on the uh, B2C side as well as the B2B side. And, you know, there's a lot you can learn from, you know, the B2C side that you could bring over. Uh, to the B2B side, which, you know, a lot of it, especially from, you know, large organizations, like you said, it's, there's too many rules, it's too structured, people feel like a number, um, but if you can connect with people and, you know, the sale becomes more than just a transactional based thing, they get something they can get excited about because they're really solving a problem and they feel like somebody's actually listening to them, uh, you know, those turn into really excited customers that could actually become net promoters for the company and spread the word, um, as opposed to the approach a lot of other companies follow. Yeah, I mean, you, you know that even in B2B, like 90, 95% of the buying decisions are emotional. They're purely emotional because we are human beings and 
the way we buy B2C is the way we buy B2B too. So B2C marketers are doing a great job at making us buy products and services yeah. um, because of our emotions. So that, that's, a, that's something that we can all learn in B2B and do better. If somebody is ready to buy and you can create that, you know, impulse buying trigger, I mean, just make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that a lot, you know, and it comes down to, you know, for marketing and sales, you know, even the design of your, your platform, um, you know, have you been in TechCrunch and, you know, a lot of the things that you would associate with driving consumer demand for a product that, you know, would be considered irrational um, works in B2B is just the same, right? So people look at your website and they say, wow, this thing looks really well designed. This must be a, you know, legitimate brand as opposed to, you know, something that looks like it was made in the 90s. People are just going to write it off and say, uh, those guys probably, there's probably a poor company that doesn't have a lot of customers. Um, yeah. The least you can do is look good, you know, at least uh, look good, look professional, look like you, you know what you're doing. I mean, it, it, it's the same way for products, for websites, companies, people, right? It's, it's yeah. a very simple rule. Totally agree. Um, so everybody wants that whale customer, uh, the enterprise customer, if you will, uh, when they're a startup. Um, but how would you recommend landing such a customer and what are the potential downside risks for that? Yeah, everybody wants one of those and they're they're critical to the success of a startup. Um, you shouldn't, however, you shouldn't put all of your uh, eggs in one basket, right? You shouldn't be just chasing enterprise customers and you shouldn't just be getting one enterprise or two enterprise customers and, you know, uh, having the majority of your revenue based on that. Yeah. Uh, it is important. It is great. And luckily in, in my career, I've been able to do that quite a few times. Yeah. Um, and what I would suggest for startups getting their, uh, their, getting their enterprise level well customer is just you have to be confident. You know, uh, that, I think that's what startups lack when they talk to these um, big enterprise companies. They, yeah. they just lack the, the credibility. That's first. You, you, you can overcome credibility with, with confidence. Yeah. Uh, you can build a better relationship than, than the guy next door. And you can, you know, you can uh, build a personal relationship with, with your customer. But again, the, the main thing I, I believe, in my opinion, that's mainly successful which is confidence. That, that always works well. Nobody wants to buy something from a, from a sales guy that doesn't, doesn't feel confident about their product or doesn't believe in their product, people can, can feel these things. You know, they can see when you're truly passionate about what you're doing and, and they care about that. They want to see that. Yeah. It, there's two ways to play it, right? You, like you said, I mean, emotions are still a big part of the buying decision. Even if you're in a big multi-billion dollar company making a decision on working with a startup, there's a lot of risk for you in that large company to, to go get into bed with this company. Um, but there's also a lot of opportunity, right? So, if you as a startup uh, pitching uh, are very confident, you could pull out that, I guess that greed lever, I guess, in, in the person that works in that large company that could see this as an opportunity to look good. You know, if they, if you can improve their bottom line, make them look good, this is something they can get really excited about, but you have to be confident there. However, if you come across as, you know, maybe a, a risky, rickety startup that, you know, might make them potentially look bad and end up as an egg on their face, um, you know, it all comes out based on how you present yourself to them. And if you if you present that kind of an appearance to them, and they feel like they're at risk if they if they decide to work with you, you're gonna you're gonna lose the deal because of it. Time every time. Great. Um, 
What would you say are the top sales tips that any startup can use to get more customers? Uh, top sales tips. I mean, do we have to do this in a structured way, like one, two, oh, three, or just? We just shoot. <laughs> yeah, we we, uh, we keep it pretty informal. So. Yeah, I think you know, just just get out there, find out what works best for you. Don't be afraid. Be confident in your product. Uh, that that's the sales tip number one. Um, sales tip number two: identify your ideal customers. You can't sell to somebody unless you know who they are. You don't want to waste time and, and get discouraged pitching the wrong people. Um, and then sales tip number three is you know figure out a way to to scale and build build that process and 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 automation because even even if you're a you know startup founder and you're a great sales guy and you get a few deals that's great but but you need to be able to scale that process so think about scalability you know and how to do that effectively um Figure out the data piece, figure out the, the systems and the tools that you need to use to make your outbound sales more efficient and generate more deals. Yeah. So I guess um, there's some good uh, good points there. I guess a failure comes with any profession. Can you tell us, you know, maybe about a time that you failed and what you learned from it? Oh, man, I mean, we, we fail we fail on daily basis, right? We, we fail on daily basis. Uh, um, think about this it just it's happened so many times yeah literally on a daily basis well, if, if you're not failing you're not trying <laughs> yeah if, if you're not failing you're not trying and there's no reason to be afraid of it it's just part of the game and for you to be a startup uh founder and, and a sales guy you need to have a pretty thick skin you know yeah, that definitely goes along with it Oh, you got any stories, or? <laughs> well, I can't think of anything specifically, and I, I know this is kind of boring, but oh, no I, I just, I, I, as I told you, I, I fail multiple times a day, and I just yeah. I get up, I push myself off, and I keep going. So, yeah, I just answered a question about that. Um, I did one of those media hero answers, I guess, the other day. Um, I answered that question myself a couple of days ago, and you know, one thing I mentioned was. Um, you know, a lot of people take failure personally, and I think that's the, the big problem that people have with it. And if you could take a step back and realize that, you know, any failure is not a personal uh, attack against yourself or who you are and your identity, uh, you can start to, you know, remove yourself from from associating too much emotion with, with the act of failure. And I think when you can do that, then it becomes an opportunity to learn from it and, you know, be able to actually objectively learn from it and take some, some of those lessons forward uh, so, so that it doesn't happen again. Uh, but it all starts with your perspective on how you approach failure, in my opinion. So about your mindset, you know, you gotta have a winning mindset, and you gotta have thick skin. That's it. You, you're gonna fail, and it's better to fail fast than to wait. So, yeah, don't be afraid of it. That would be my advice. Yeah. And embrace it, you know. Be nimble. Get out there and fail fast. <laughs> um, what other uh, marketing and sales tactics or strategies would you recommend uh, businesses to keep an eye out for in 2023, aside from uh, using chat GPT to write everything? <laughs> right. Uh, oh man, there's so much, just so much buzz about uh, AI yeah. chat GPT right now. It's, it's amazing. I think it's, yeah. we're going to see a lot of cool things happening in the space uh, in the next uh, year or two. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think that we're, we are going back to 
using um, effectively using outbound email. Yeah, uh, there was a point where people were like ah, outbound email doesn't work anymore. People are not not opening the emails. People are not reading these emails. They're not responding. Um, people got really focused on LinkedIn, right? And then you saw a bunch of tools coming in in the space and doing LinkedIn automation and outreach. But then LinkedIn shut that down basically, and they're like, no, you can't send that many requests. You can't yeah. uh, send that many messages. Things like that. So. I think email is coming back and there are really smart ways to to increase email deliverability. Uh, yeah. We're working with some great guys uh, that are helping us helping us uh, with with outbound email at scale uh, using our own data, which allows us to reach hundreds of thousands, millions of people effectively uh, without spamming yeah. them, without, you know, you guys leg up on that one. <laughs> uh, so so I, I think that's a, that's a great strategy for next year. Um, focus on outbound email and and of course uh, there's different tactics on how to do that uh, and different micro strategies but but just do some research uh, invest in in outbound email uh, automation and and I think it's going to deliver results for you because I see it delivering a lot of results for Nimbler I see it delivering results for our customers that are using our data and buying our data to to be able to reach out to their ideal customers via email at scale that's a great point. Yeah, it all starts with having you know quality data to work with from the beginning. You know, knowing you have the right contact information, you're reaching out to the right ICP um, or buyer profile, I guess, within the ICP at these companies, and uh, you know, having a great pitch, right? So there is a lot of tools, as you mentioned, out there. You know, I get you know, kind of kind of get the opportunity to see a lot of them, so we have to kind of hack it over here too. Um, sure. You know, Line is one. Uh, there's there's a couple other copywriting AI platforms that are I think are really great to, you know, at least tweak the introductory lines of the of the pitch so that it's you know it looks you know very much more personalized than you know a lot of the other you know variable based approaches where it's just first name and maybe the company variable which you know anybody could read these days when it comes into their inbox. I know it's obviously a cold email, but uh, a lot of these tools, you know, Hyperize is another one. Uh, you can do, you know, embedded images, GIFs, videos that have, you know, the company logo that you're emailing or the name of the person in that video automatically show up. Uh, we found those to be pretty effective as well. Um, that's come across a lot more personalized. So, you know, we've been seeing, you know, higher open rates and response rates because of it as well. Yeah, personalization is going to be key in 2023 for cold email. There are a couple of tools out there that, that come to mind that are doing a great job, in, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, one is Lavender and the other one is Reggie. Uh, both of these are doing really, really good job for creating personalized content for cold sales emails. So I, I definitely recommend those two. Awesome. Another one I thought of too was uh, Dub. It's a uh, uh, video sales system. I mean, you guys might even like this too. Um, Darius, the, one of the co-founders over there, great guy. Um, so basically, it's there are uh, you know little short clip videos you can embed into video into your uh, cold outbound emails. Um, you could also use them for explainer videos, you know, in app to kind of train customers on how to use your platform. Um, but using video, um, especially if it could be as personalized as po possible and cold outbound too, can be really effective. Hundred percent, yeah. And I mean, yesterday we even put a video together. It was a demo video of Nimbler that we generated using an AI platform called Synthesia. Huh. Um, and it took us 30 minutes. I think it came out pretty pretty good. It's a, 
that there's just a lot of tools out there now that, that you can use to to save your time to be creative and to to be different you know to stand out from the crowd and get more customers awesome yeah i'll make sure to post a couple of these into the uh, linkedin comment section too and um, if you could do the same i'd love to check out some of the uh, recommendations that you had there yeah and i i would recommend to people to you know stop stop focusing on on trying to get people to to hop on a call with you instead try to to focus on engaging with them and starting a conversation and if what you're offering is of value to them they will be the one to ask you for your calendar link and yeah. to, to hop on a call uh i can't tell you but you know it's so annoying every time i get a long long linkedin message or an email and then at the end all i see is a calendar link i mean i don't yeah. even know there's just uh, keep keep emails short, personalized, and straight to the point. Try try to start conversations um, and build real relationships. And people people will appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. It's all about starting the conversation, and you know I've seen that that uh, that's that switch too as well. A lot a lot more uh, a lot of emails are getting way higher response rates rates if you just ask a question of the person, and you know then they'll really pay attention, right? If you can get them to you know answer even a, a quick question. Um, that gets them, you know, hooked to actually pay attention to what you're pitching, aside from just being, you know, tossed away into the into the spam folder because they don't actually understand what you're doing because they didn't actually go to your website because they felt like you were trying too hard to sell them and uh, get into a meeting right away. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, that's a great point. So, yeah, a great point. Uh, definitely try to elicit a response out of people. That's more important than a CTA to book a meeting with them right away. Uh, nobody wants to feel like they're a piece of meat and have a, you know, just get pushed into a meeting right away before they even know what it is that you do and how it actually helps them. I mean, then you spend all this time to get them. Let's say they even hop on a meeting with you, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because of that tactic and it worked. Mm -hmm. They hop on a meeting and then it's a discovery call and they don't get to ask you anything or learn anything of value and you're just qualifying them and asking them all these annoying questions. Yeah. I, I get it. It's important, but there's there's better ways to do that. You know, yeah, right. definitely. Yeah, if you get if they engage with you, they tend what what I've seen is they tend to be a lot more excited for that call when the call comes. Mm -hmm. And like you mentioned, they they're the ones that are ask, asking for your calendar at that point, uh, trying to get something set up. And then by the time they get to the call, they're they know what you do and they're much more committed to actually you know follow through with it anyway. So it's a lot higher quality lead that way. Hundred mm percent. -hmm. Yeah. Well, they what I do on initial calls. Um, is I'll jump on the call and I'll I'll try to 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 be at my best. You know, uh, you only have a few minutes to make an impression, and the first impression is the most important in any relationship. So, um, make it about a customer. Be be positive. Be friendly. Build build trust. Ask them some questions and just let them talk and listen to them. That's all you have to do is just okay. listen to them and use that information to. Uh, to your advantage in the end and to to sell them the benefits of your product uh, and and it can all happen pretty quickly even in the enterprise space yeah i love that question-based uh, selling approach <laughs> people are taught themselves into the sale when they realize when they when they verbally express the problem that they're having <laughs> and yeah. you know connect the dots with hey you know we got a solution here actually <laughs> yeah yeah great well um we're getting pretty close to the end here so you know i'd like to go into more you know, maybe some ideas around some of the books that that you're reading right now to get all these great ideas that help you make better decisions on a day-to-day -day basis as an entrepreneur and founder. Yeah, um, unfortunately, lately I've been too focused on on selling and building a startup than reading books and 
yeah. <laughs> uh, hearing and listening to what's out there, which is not good. You should always stay informed and improve yourself. But, you know, a book that I read a while ago that comes to mind is uh, Atomic Habits. Have you, have you heard of that book? Um, I've heard of it, but I haven't read it yet. I, yeah. I need to read more as well, too. I've been so busy working as well. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great book, in my opinion. It's helped me build, build better habits. We're all human beings. We have good and bad habits. And if we can create more good habits in our personal, professional life, we'll, we'll be a lot more successful. So that's, that's a book that I'll definitely recommend. And a friend of mine recommended that book to me. And I mean, that's, I found out that that's the best way to learn about books and learn about companies, startups from mouth to mouth and people that will vouch for the product, right? And tell you if it added any value to them. Yeah, and people that, uh, you know, understand, you know, there's some similarities there, right? They understand where you're coming from and, you know, from experience, putting themselves in your shoes, they, they can make, make a good idea of like what to actually recommend for you. Um, one app I like is a Blinkist app. Uh, have you heard of it? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Great. Yeah. It shortens everything to, you know, 15 minutes. So if you're busy, you know, say you're on the go driving somewhere, um, you know, you got 15 minutes to kill, just, you know, listen to one of those audiobooks and you could, uh, you could bust them out real quick. Yeah. You can't beat that. I mean, that you, you can't, you can't complain that you're too busy, right? If you don't have 15 minutes a day. Yep. Exactly. So that's, you know, maybe I'll, I'll go ahead and install my phone after this. Yep. <laughs> there you go. And I, I'm just as guilty too myself. I need to get back on Blinkist. It's been a couple of weeks, so I'll pop back on there. It's a good reminder. I'm an audio guy and I'll, I'll, I'll listen to full audio books, but again, I don't always have the time to do that. Yeah. So I think that's a great recommendation. Yep. Just a snippets of most books I find are kind of, you know, some high level themes and they could be broken down into several key concepts. And if you can understand those, you know, you, you like you get 80% of the book right right there. 100%. Great. So what's, uh, I guess, what's one thing we should look forward to with Nimbler? Um, and where do you guys see yourself in the next five years? You know, five years is a long time. Uh, yep. But we definitely see our, ourselves as uh, being successful in the near future and in the long, uh, the long run. So we're working on a lot of exciting stuff. We're, we're doing some crazy things with AI as well. Nice. Uh, we knew we had to start with the data because it's the main component in, in outbound and prospecting and, and sales in general. So once we got to the to a point where we were very happy and our customers were happy with with the quality of our data, we knew it's time to to go to the next level. And, and what we're doing is now trying to provide our current and, and future customers with with a really unique all-in-one solution for all their outbound needs that it's powered by AI and data. That's great. Well, Coco, I really appreciate your time today. And uh, anybody else interested in getting leads that actually work? <laughs> um, it's all that's the beginning of the sales process right there. Um, you just heard it from Coco. He's the guy to go get your leads from. Um, you can find their their product today on uh, Nacho Nacho's B two B SaaS marketplace. Um, you can get a juicy thirty percent thirty percent off cash back. Uh, it's a great deal and a great product. Um, you just heard from him here, and you know we use. Uh, I think we're getting into using ourselves here pretty soon too. Um, so my growth, my growth marketing guy is pretty excited about it. So um, we'll definitely uh, be using the product here soon too. Um, but once again, thank you so much for the time today, and you know everybody else that joined us. Uh, Nacho Nacho is the place to manage, discover, and save on SaaS up to thirty percent from great products like Coco's here. And uh, we look forward to seeing your continued success and uh, growing our companies together. Thank you, Andy. Appreciate you having me. Likewise. Thank you, Coco. <laughs>